Welcome to Entertaining a Conversation, the podcast where we always entertain conversations about things that are entertaining. I'm your host, Mr. Sir. Guys, thank you so much for joining me once again. Episode number 21 of this podcast. I'm really, really excited, really happy to keep this going. Uh, I am very sorry if I have been behind on social media. I have been uh, honestly going through some stuff uh, mentally, physically. I've had allergies for what seems to be a, a year now. Um, lots of things have happened in my personal life, and I'm not trying to make any excuses. It's just, it's just a little harder for me to write these days. But the good part about this is my therapy in life is always seeing movies. So I'm not behind on anything. I haven't... Um, I haven't lost uh, a step in, you know, trying to keep up. I've kept up with everything. I've seen everything that's come out. So it's it's just a matter of writing, uh, putting pen to paper and putting uh, notes into uh, long sentence formats. So so I'm, I'm really sorry if I'm lagging behind. I presume I'm thinking all of my reviews will be caught up by the end of the week. So I will start posting more regularly again. I'm also trying to overhaul a couple of things, trying to make... Uh, trying to be more aggressive in my marketing of this podcast so uh, I'm still trying to figure out everything but I still need to go through my trials and tribulations so I need time for myself as well so I'm, I'm happy and I'm thankful that you guys are respecting that however I know that I will come back in full force and I know that I will never not release a podcast on a Monday that's that's something I'm really really adamant about you're always always going to get an episode on Mondays so uh, thank you for your support uh, we'll still review movies even though I haven't written about them we'll still review them this uh, this week on the podcast we'll still talk about uh, well 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 let's get into it we'll talk about the news so ladies and gentlemen here's the news all right so this week guys not a lot happening um, not a lot to talk about but we're still uh, we still have a couple of things to discuss First of all, being, um, I guess, something that doesn't have much to do with movies, but more with the uh, entertainment culture in general. And I think it's important, at least for me, it's important that I say it. Um, rest in peace to Norm MacDonald. Um, he, um, I, I, I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever seen a comedian being praised so much by other comedians in, in my life. Like, everybody... Every comedian I know, or at least my favorite comedians in the world, know uh, just how funny Norm Macdonald really is, and just how he—he's a—he's what they call a comedian's comedian, and he—he he was definitely one of the funniest men still alive. Even like you know. Um, just think about all of his weekend update appearances on SNL, all his um, all his talk show appearances on on Conan O'Brien, um, all of all of his you know impersonations from Quentin Tarantino to obviously Burt Reynolds, um, his stand up that was freaking phenomenal. Um, yeah, rest in peace to an absolute legend. And he was only the fact that he was only sixty-one, losing a um, losing losing a long battle, a nine-year battle with cancer. Um, it's very sad, and, uh, and 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 it was important to me at least to at least mention his name. Not that this podcast is, uh, you know, an international phenomenon or anything, but uh, 
but but it makes me a bit happy to be able to say his name here. So so rest in peace, Norm Macdonald, Quebec-born Norm Macdonald. Uh, rest in peace, you legend. Thank you for decades of laughter. Moving on uh, to something a little lighter. Uh, Christopher, I th- t- told you guys on uh, last week's show that Christopher Nolan was shopping around his uh, his new uh, Oppenheimer movie. So Oppenheimer is the guy that created the atomic bomb. Uh, and they uh, wanted, uh, he wants to make a movie about this guy. And naturally he wasn't going to do it at uh, Warner Brothers again because of the rift that, you know, happened with them <clears throat> over the day and day release on HBO Max. Christopher Nolan was very, very vocal about that, uh, saying uh, saying something like, uh, "One day you wake up and you work for uh, for a, a big budget studio, and the next you wake up and you're working for the worst. <clears throat> you're working for the worst streaming service." Uh, he said that when uh, Warner Brothers announced that they were going to release all of their movies on HBO Max the same day as the theaters, the day and date release. Uh, Nolan was not too happy about that. He's a big defender of the theatrical experience, and um, we all thank, we all love him for it. But uh, he he needed to shop his new movie around onto other studios. And last week I said uh, that I thought Sony was going to get him, the same way that they got Quentin Tarantino for uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, because Sony's been making all the right moves mo- most recently. Uh, turns out it's Universal. Universal got um, got the rights to uh, he, you know, Christopher Nolan chooses Universal for uh, for his new film. So uh, great! I'm happy that Christopher Nolan chose a, uh, you know, uh, well, I'm happy he chose Universal for many reasons. Uh, Universal have been very uh, they they do have a streaming service. They do have Peacock. Uh, however, I. I think they've been, and, and I know that the uh, Halloween Kills movie is going to be on Peacock the same day, which is, you know, is what it is. But so far, Universal, at least this year, have been consistent with theatrical windows. Like F9 had its theatrical window. Um, you know, Jurassic World Dominion is going to get a theatrical window. Um, they have not made much noise on the streaming side, apart from the Halloween Kills um, and I believe what the Boss Baby sequel, those movies coming to uh, to movie theaters and uh, Peacock at the same time, but they haven't. Universal haven't been made haven't made a lot of noise on the streaming side yet, uh, and they have been prone defenders of their movies in theaters. So I think this makes sense for Nolan. But here's something I wanted to tell you guys, uh, Christopher Nolan. Here here her, here are his demands. Uh, when he was shopping this around here here's what Nolan was requesting so he was requesting total creative control which you know yeah absolutely please um, he was asking for a hundred plus day theatrical window which I think is a bit ludicrous I mean I think 90 was the standard before COVID you know where, like you know, you night movie went to theaters. Ninety days later, you can purchase the DVD, and that was that was okay to me. I think ninety days was okay. You know, it's 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 the way that it's always been. If you want to see a movie, you see it in theaters, and if not, you wait three months, and then it comes out. They reduced it to forty-five during COVID, so they were you know theater owners 
and uh, studios were able to uh, to come to this agreement where it would be 45 instead of 90 which is still to, to, to 45 is still good to me um, you know I, I naturally I would I would want us to go back to 90 but I think that 45 is reasonable in the sense that hey a movie's going to be there for a month and a half and then people get the chance to watch at home people who don't feel safe going out or people who are perhaps not vaccinated and need a vaccination passport uh, so I think that's fair 45 days is fair so 100 plus day is not well first of all it's more than it was when it was quote unquote normal uh, so so I don't I, I think that's a bit preposterous from Nolan like I, I, I get that it's Nolan and then he, he can ask for whatever he wants uh, having, ma having, having made all these masterpiece movies but uh, this just seems like I don't know this just seems it seems to me like like someone like a bully trying to come with negotiation tax tactics it feels like that's that's something that he came up with and he was but he was willing to to scale back you know like the thing that you bring to negotiations but the thing that you're most it's just something you add to the negotiation to remove it when it comes time to negotiate i, f I feel like this is what it is this is what it might be because a hundred plus like nobody's ever had a hundred plus day theatrical window or at least since the home video phenomenon has been a thing so this just i don't know this just feels this either feels um how could i say it this either feels like that like that's something they were willing to they just put in to, to, to eventually remove or it feels um I'm not going to say selfish. It feels uh, pompous. It feels, um, how could I say it? Well, I'm Nolan and I can do whatever I want. Like, it just feels, I don't know. I don't know. It feels a bit, I love Nolan. He's my favorite director of all time. Christopher Nolan, you know, The Dark Knight, The Prestige. Some of my favorite, the two of my, my two favorite movies of all time. No, no question about that. I just think 100 plus the theatrical windows, just, I don't know. It feels, uh, yeah, it feels a bit weird. But also, what he's asking for, um, around a hundred million dollar every movie for his budget, which you know, yeah, makes sense. Uh, equal marketing, equal marketing spend. So that means a hundred dollars, a uh, hundred million dollars for marketing as well. Which sure, I guess. Uh, Twenty percent of the first dollar gross. So yeah, yeah, that makes you know that makes sense. It's what usually people have, and then. A three-week blackout period before and after the studio, where the studio wouldn't release another movie. So essentially, when 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 they release Nolan's movie, three weeks before, like in the three weeks leading up to it, they can't release any movie, and then the three weeks after it, they can't release any movie. Which I don't know. It just feels like Nolan's just being. Um, I don't know. He feel like he's being pompous. Like I said, like I feel like he's just you know thinks he's holier than than thou at this point these these are things like i i don't know i have I've, i i would have to check if you tr if you look at just warner brothers this year they had a movie releasing every month uh and sometimes every two weeks so um you know i i i, I would have to check when in history this has happened the three-week blackout period i just feel like it's unnecessary and it's it's pretty much like the 100 plus day theatrical window it's just like 
I don't know. It just feels like you're, he's trying to prove that he's a god of cinema, which he is. Is just I don't know. I don't know. It feels like a, it feels like a lot. But hey, they gave it to him, and we're gonna get this uh, Oppenheimer movie, and we're gonna get the new Nolan movie, and whenever we get a new Nolan movie is is a day that we can all rejoice. So, uh, you know, I'm happy he got it. I'm just I'm just surprised, I guess, at what he was requesting. Moving on, uh, Knives Out two. Uh, which I'm assuming is going to have a different name or, you know, maybe it's going to be something like Knives Out 2, Knife ha- knife Harder or uh, Two Knives, Two Out or something like that. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> knives Out 2, Electric Boogle. I don't know. But uh, yeah, so Knives Out 2, which is the working title for now, uh, it wrapped filming. Uh, that's what Ryan Johnson said. I'm really excited for Knives 2. Knives Out 2, I uh, really liked Knives Out 1. I think Knives Out is... A really cool potential for a franchise. I love that Ryan Johnson is doing more whodunit movies because he is he's amazing at it. Uh, and uh, you know, like if he finds his niche, I feel like for a while he because sh- he had he had a hard time with the Last Jedi, which granted might have been deserved, uh, but I just feel like he found something really really he finds some he found something he's really really good at with knives out so if he can just you know make us forget about the last jedi for a couple of years and make it turn out movies like knives out or like knives out 2 knives out 3 like i I think it'll it'll put him back in good grace not that he needs to ryan johnson is a phenomenal phenomenal director i just think that uh yeah he just needs to remind people how good he is so more of these movies is is not a bad thing in my opinion really excited for Knives Out 2 it's going to be on Netflix Netflix got the rights to the new Knives Out movies so I'm assuming probably next year we're going to get that film really hyped for it Uh, moving on we have uh, the first poster and the first trailer for I'm sorry for did I tell you guys I have allergies yeah you guys listened to last week's episode huh yeah rough 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 Oh, I'm tired. Uh, yeah, so the first poster and trailer for Guillermo del Toro's new movie called Nightmare Alley, which seems to me like it's uh, right up uh, Guillermo del Toro's wheelhouse in the sense that it's, you know, uh, is, he, is he a man, is he a monster type of deal, uh, which he does really, really well. I think the movie looks gorgeous. Like, the set design in, in Guillermo del Toro movies and the prosthetics and the, the, the practical effects and everything are are to commend really like nobody does it better in my opinion especially the set designs Guillermo del Toro has such a like fairy tale but also like horror like he has a very very creative mind one that creates monsters and, and 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 creatures that nobody's ever imagined before he he he's he's a true artist in 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 every sense of the word not just in the movie theater but like he draws he draws amazing concept art for monsters and for creatures and for <clears throat> special beasts that you find in his films and, and like yeah he's he's a true artist and this seems like just another it's it looked to me like I'm not going to say it looked like Pan's Labyrinth because it didn't, but in a sense, it kind of reminded me of Pan's Labyrinth in the sense that, like, the set design, everything is just so fairy tale like It just so, it just looks so much like right out of a, like, of a, of a, 
of a of a fairy tale book or out of a a graphic novel it just look it doesn't look real like it looks like if it it looks like a fairy tale but it's grounded in reality and i don't know i don't know where i'm going why where was where was i going with this oh yeah so yeah it, it, the same with pan La pan's labyrinth that's the comparison i was trying to make sorry so pan's labyrinth is the same so you know like this little girl for those who haven't seen it, this little girl dives into this fairy tale type of world every night but is 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 living a really harsh reality in the village that she is in in spain uh so it's it's uh it's it's kind of the same here where it's like something like bradley cooper seems to be playing a detective and um and and there's something there's something supernatural happening so it's kind of in the same vein as pan's labyrinth but it, it looks just as creative it just looks I, I I will say this though the Nightmare Alley trailer has given us a lot less uh, which I think is good like all, all that I'm doing right now I'm saying oh it, it looks like it looks like a pan, it looks like Pan's Labyrinth it's gonna be like that all I'm all I'm doing right now is speculation because the movie the, the trailer the teaser trailer should I say doesn't give you a lot it gives you just enough to to, to, to speculate, it gives you just enough to, to be excited for it, but not enough to really be sure of, of what's going on, of what's going to go on here. So when I say it looks like Pan's Labyrinth, I'm just assuming because they haven't shown us any, they haven't shown us much of the supernatural element of this story. I'm really excited for a new Guillermo del Toro movie. Anytime that, move, that man makes a movie, the last movie he released, he won an Oscar for it. So you can never go wrong with del toro really excited for it so that comes out in december i believe yes in december and they also i don't know if you guys heard about this but they also premiered uh the trailer for uh paul thomas anderson's new movie licorice pizza which i think is a great title uh he uh they they premiered his trailer but only in movie theaters so it's not available online yet uh would you excuse me please gotta gotta blow my nose here give me a second thank you thank you for that thank you thank you for being so patient with me uh so yeah so they re they released uh, paul thomas anderson's new um licorice pizza trailer they released it in theaters only so it's going to come out online soon i'm really really excited for that i've been to the theater three times last week and did not catch it a single time so i'm pretty bummed out but hopefully uh, it comes online soon or hopefully i get to see a movie where they show licorice pizza teaser trailer i'm really really excited for anytime paul thomas anderson release a, a new movie you you have to you, you have to be in line to see it you know uh there will be blood uh inherent vice boogie nights uh why am i i'm my, my brain is so foggy today but yeah and i don't know why the, the master the master is another masterpiece um phantom thread i don't know why i'm blanking right now but paul thomas and punch drunk love uh i'm sorry guys i'm i'm I've, like i said i've been going through some stuff and i've been sick so i'm <laughs> i'm really sorry i know what i'm talking about but 
by God, I'm having problems. Magnolia, so that, that, that was the one I was missing. And Heart 8 is the other one. So I named all of his movies, really. I was uh, having a bit of a problem here. My apologies. Thank you. Thank you for, uh, thank you for, for hanging. And thank you, for, thank you for listening to this podcast once again. Really appreciate it. Uh, moving on. Uh, Keegan-Michael Key has been cast in uh, the new Willy Wonka uh, prequel movie from director Paul King, who has also made the Paddington movies. I have not seen the Paddington movies yet, and I know I should have, but I wanted to see them both back-to-back. And, and, you know, wanting to see so many movies, it's hard to justify seeing two movies in a row, sometimes that are not like two separate movies. So, um, but I really want to like go through a Paddington marathon. I heard, I heard nothing but amazing things, uh, from these movies. So Paul King has uh, been tapped, the guy who directed the Paddington movies, he has been tapped to direct a prequel movie, uh, on the origin story of, uh, Willy Wonka and Timothy Chalamet is going to play Willy Wonka. And now they cast Kegel Michael Key. So I'm uh, really, really excited to see where that goes. I'm carefully optimistic. It's worked out for Cruella. So I don't see why it wouldn't work with Willy Wonka. I mean, I could see why. Because, you know, everything could go wrong in these films. I trust Paul King. I don't know his movies, but I trust him. And uh, he seems to know what he's doing. And Disney have had a pretty good track record as of late. So uh, weird flex. Uh, I just I don't I don't understand why this project is being made. I mean I understand why because money, but it's a it's it's a really it's a really weird project to tackle. Uh, so I'm weirdly optimistic, just you know, carefully optimistic. See what that turns out to be like. But Keegan Michael Key is is a good addition to a. Uh, quote-unquote comedy family movie uh he's excellent so uh and timothy chalamet uh, timothy chalamet to me is still a bit overrated in the sense that he hasn't shown us really what he can do yet you know what i'm saying like he he's he was great in everything he's been in he was great in ladybird he was great in uh little women both Greta Gerwig movies. He was great in Beautiful Boy. He was great in Interstellar. He was great in everything he's done. But people hail him as like the new Leonardo DiCaprio. Say, oh, Timothy Chalamet. He's the new Leo. And he hasn't pulled off a Leo performance yet. And granted, it took a while before Leo did. Uh, so maybe we're just waiting on... Maybe I'm just waiting on it. And maybe I, I maybe everything everybody's seeing something in him that I don't see yet. But uh, but I feel like he still has to he still has to pull off one of those amazing performances before I can consider him a really amazing actor. And maybe Dune is that movie. Maybe Dune or The French Dispatch is gonna be in both of these films. They're both releasing the same day, so maybe that maybe those are the movies that are going to to put the put him in that category. I just I don't know. I don't see it yet. Hate me all you want. I don't see I don't see the hype for for him yet. I don't see the I don't see the hype for him the way that the hype has been for him yet. But we'll see. Maybe the Willy Wonka movie is gonna be the one that brings him. Anyways, we'll see what happens. Uh, Olivia Wilde. Moving on. Olivia Wilde as her new thriller. She did great with Booksmart a couple of years ago. Sorry about that. Uh, and now she's coming out with a uh, thriller called Don't Worry, Darling. Uh, and it stars Florence Pugh and Harry Styles. 
uh, and it will release on the 23rd of September in 2022. Uh, so here's the, here's the synopsis. Uh, a 1950s housewife living with her husband in, an, in, in a utopian experimental community begins to worry that his glamorous company may be hiding disturbing secrets. Uh, yeah, we've gotten like images of that film or like t I think two shots of that film or something like that as a trailer, as a teaser. Uh, really, really excited for it. Really excited for anything Florence Pugh does. Uh, I think Olivia Wilde's uh, directorial career is looking pretty fresh, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, Booksmart was a great, great debut. You know, like it's... And I've listened and I've heard this recently and it's so true. Uh, if you look at movies like mid-90s by example so that was i'm sorry that was jonah hill's uh first uh, uh, like that was his directorial debut that was the first movie movie he directed that movie looks like a first movie like a first effort you know what i'm saying uh same with uh how could i s who directed a movie like chiwetel ejiofor he directed the boy who harnessed the wind recently that looks like a first effort Booksmart is better than a first effort. It's kind of like uh, Bradley Cooper. It's kind of like A Star Is Born. These like these people made a great movie right out of the bat, and like they show that they were born to direct right off of the bat. So, uh, but that, I think that's definitely what happened with Olivia Wilde. I don't think she. I think she definitely skipped uh, a few. Uh, she, she she definitely skipped a few rings before she 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 went to the t like she she showed that she could hang with the top directors working today and i truly mean that i truly mean that i think she can hang uh right off of and, and I'm, i know i'm basing uh, basing myself my, i'm basing my opinion out of one movie i just think book smart is that good and uh i think i think there's nothing to worry about in the ten <laughs> no pun intended i don't think there's anything to worry about with don't worry darling I think it's going to be magnificent. I think it's going to be great. And uh, I have faith in Olivia Wilde. And, hope, and maybe I'll be wrong. And maybe this is the movie that takes her down. But I feel like right now, with with one movie, with Booksmart, I feel like right now she has lots of crud. So, uh, really excited to see where that goes. I love thrillers. And I love Florence Pugh. So, I'm really excited. Uh, Disney Plus. Disney Plus is remaking the classic sci-fi movie Flight of the Navigator. Bryce Dallas Howard is set to direct. There you go. So that's another... Uh, has she directed anything? I know she was in uh, that amazing Black Mirror episode, but I feel like... Yeah, I feel like she has directed something. Bryce Dallas Howard. Let me take a look, guys. Is that what, that's what we do on this podcast. By God. Sorry. That wasn't... That wasn't the best noise, the best noise to hear. I'm sorry. She directed a documentary uh, and a short film, and she is directing the uh, Boba Fett TV series. And she has, yeah, that's it. So she has directed one episode of The Mandalorian. So that's it. So she she's dipping her toes in directing. And now she's going to direct a, a, a sci-fi movie. I think this is a perfect uh, project for her to start, to be honest. I think her, expor her experience with The Mandalorian and uh, everything that her father's done, uh, you know, Ron Howard with, uh, with Apollo 13 and um, 
all the big scale Hollywood movies that he's been able to handle Rush uh, I feel like Bryce Dallas Howard knows how to handle big projects and I think that her taking on such a big project is is uh, like you know what I'm saying like I don't see Bryce, Bryce Dallas Howard directing an indie low budget film based off the work that she's done so far I don't I, I don't see that as being a good choice for her I feel like this is her wheelhouse this is what she should focus on uh, she she knows she knows what it's like to be in a big movie she knows what it's like to, to handle big movies uh, handle big sets and yeah yeah I'm all in for this I'm all in for this I don't know how it's going to turn out but I think that the directorial choice in Bryce Dallas Howard is um, is a good one I think it's a good one and I think it's a good chance it's a it's a good project to give someone like that their first chance at a, at a big big scale movie And uh, last but not least in the news this week, uh, Kenneth Branagh's new movie Belfast wins the uh, Toronto International Film Festival's People's Choice Award. Uh, I'm really intrigued by that film. I, I don't know if you've seen the trailer for Belfast. Uh, it's your typical drama. It reminds me kind of like Roma or movies like that. Not because of the black and white, but really because of the... Um, you know, it takes place in... Uh, It takes place in the bit of in the past, and it 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 just follows a family. So just you know, like, and it's it's an indie drama. So it just it, to me, that's what it reminded me of. And Roma was absolutely excellent. Uh, and also, it has to deal with the turmoil that's happening in the in the city at the time, which is exactly what Roma did um, with the revolutions and stuff in Mexico. So uh, yeah, uh, I. I am, I am really, really curious. I'm going to see that. I'm really excited to see it because I love me a good uh, drama. But I haven't heard much about it. So, like, the fact that it wins Toronto the Toronto International Film Festival's People's Choice Award where, you know, like, the, the, the TIFF, the, the Toronto International Film Festival, has so many choices usually. It's, it, you know, I believe Last Night in Soho was there. I think Dune was even there. Uh... So I'm really intrigued by Belfast. I haven't heard about it, and that's uh, sure to give it a bit of a buzz. Uh, but uh, but yeah, gotta wonder, I guess. I'm excited. I believe Belfast comes out in November, uh, so it's gonna be after Dune, after Last Night in Soho. So I'm really really excited to see. It. I'm really excited for everything that's coming out this year. You can hear it in my voice, guys. I'm 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 definitely my nose is definitely stuffed, but I'm so excited for uh, for the rest of the year in movies. I think we're gonna get a really great year. And next year's shaping up to be really cool, too. So that's it for the news, guys. Thank you for listening. Uh, so before we move on to the reviews, just a little word for my sponsors. Thank you. This is a public service announcement for all the men in the area of Montreal. Your search for your ideal barber ends right here, right now. Because there's only one man that can motivate you to pursue the lifestyle that you really desire by transforming your look. It's the MTL Barber, of course. The MTL Barber offers a multitude of premium, top-notch services. Haircuts, beard grooming, outlines, lineups, hot towel shaves. And he does it with the best hair products on the market and at the most competitive pricing on the market too. So what are you waiting for? Go to www.themtlbarber.com and book your appointment now. Motivation, transformation, lifestyle. The MTL Barber. 
And once again, I want to give a quick shout out to my friend Ollison9000 for blessing this music with amazing music, amazing beats. Thank you, Ollison9000. You can follow his uh, music producing group, OTS Sounds, on Instagram at OTS.Sounds. That's at OscarTangoSierra.Sounds. Thank you, Ollison9000. You are the man, as always, and thank you for... Uh, for the amazing beats that you've made for this podcast. You can also follow me on social media at Entertaining a Conversation on Instagram. It's the name of the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at MrSirPod94. That's at MrSirPod, like podcast, 94. 94 is, by the way, not my year of birth. You figure that out. Uh, you can also follow me on Facebook at Entertaining a Conversation with Mr. Sir. It's the name of the podcast. Uh, please share, please like, please uh, subscribe, please comment, please interact with me. I know I haven't been posting much recently, but I'm going to get back to it really, 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 that really, really, really soon. So thank you for your your uh, unwavering support and uh, thank you for, uh, for giving my social media some love. So let's get right down to it. Uh, reviews. So we have four reviews this week. Uh, first review is a movie that I missed out on last week. Uh, and I told you guys I was going to catch up with it, and that's The Card Counter. So it's uh, the Paul Schrader movie with Oscar Isaac, Tiffany Haddish, Taylor Sheridan, and Willem Dafoe. Uh, it's a story of a man that's uh, it's a it's a it's a man that that fought um, that went to war. So he's a veteran, and he has uh, kind of he still has PTSD from his war days, and he went to well he's not not as well mostly wow I'm, I'm really doing a great pitch for this film essentially he worked in prisons and they tortured prisoners and he uh he he has ptsd from that and he uh he eventually went down for something so he went to jail and he came out and when in jail he learned to count cards and now he's out uh, i'm not going to tell you much more there's much more to this story uh I think it's an okay movie, if I'm being honest. Like, I think it's very confused in the message that it's trying to send. I think I think there's a lot of meat on the bone, uh, but then the director Paul Schrader doesn't really tell us which part of the bone that we're that he's trying to make us feel like taste more. If it makes any sense, uh, it feels like there's a, just a a hodgepodge of messages that are getting confused and you're not sure what he's trying to say at the end but it, it kind of shines it kind of shines through a bit uh and you can kind of see what he's trying to say but it's it's very confusing uh oscar isaac's amazing tiffany haddish is a very weird casting choice and i truly think i truly think she did everything she could with the role i just think that's something somebody better could have handled that role uh I don't see Tiffany Haddish more doing more dramas, to be honest with you. I think she should just stick to comedy unless the bright role comes around or unless she, she gets better. I'm not saying she was bad. I'm just saying she, she was not the person for this role. And she she tried to be. She was tr she was trying to... like the, Most of the time, you see Oscar Isaac... Like Oscar Isaac and even Taylor Sheridan like really embody their characters. Tiffany Haddish was trying to act. So that's, you know, and, and nothing against her. She's never made a movie like that. It's just, I, I don't think that she was the right person for that role or for those types of roles. It was a good experiment, though. She, and she did what she did everything she could. I truly, truly believe that. 
So the card counter is a good little movie to watch on a Friday night if you got nothing better to do. But uh, I wouldn't go out of my way to watch it. And uh, and if you do, please uh, please let me know what you think the message of that movie was. Moving on, uh, the Eyes of Tammy Faye, a movie by Michael Showalter, starting uh, starring sorry uh, Jessica Chastain playing Tammy Faye Baker and Andrew Garfield playing uh, Jim Baker, and it's the story of the televangelist couple who uh, essentially created an entire network of televangelists and then went down for fraud. Uh, I loved, loved, loved the performances in that film. I loved Jessica Chastain's performance. I think she's definitely going to get an Oscar nomination. I think there's no question. Uh, she disappears in that role and, and and I'm not saying just because of the prosthetics or because of the makeup or anything. she literally it, at times I was and and by at times I mean the whole the entire movie really I was completely taken out like I didn't see Jessica Chastain when I looked at the screen I saw Tammy Faye Baker I saw that character that she was embodying she was she was marvelous and the idea that she has been campaigning to make this movie for a while is 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 it might be something that's going to pay off for her because that was a role she was born to play for sure andrew garfield's performance i thought was also very good not as good but i thought it was i thought it was still very good uh he's a he's a wonderful actor really excited to see tick tick boom at the end of the year uh yeah yeah, I think I think Andrew Garfield was solid. I think Vincent D'Onofrio was was amazing as Jerry Falwell. Uh, the story itself, it's a good biopic in the sense that it really shows a lot of, you know, a roller coaster of emotions that Tammy Faye Baker goes through. But I think that they they didn't explore enough of the scandal that brought the Bakers down, and ultimately. Ultimately, I think the scandal had more to do with what, like, the, the separation of, like, the, the Tammy Faye Baker and, and Jim Baker separating than them having too many differences. Like, I think the scandal is what broke the couple. And uh, and they didn't show much of it. You know, they, they, they I feel like they didn't dive deep enough into the whole, like, machinations, machinations or whatever, you however you want to say it. I'm French, damn it. Uh, like it didn't, it, it didn't show enough of the inner workings of uh, of the of the the televangelist network of PTL, and I feel like the movie could have benefited a lot from that. Uh, so it's it's a good movie with amazing performances. I feel it could have been better, but it was still really really good, and it kicked off for me. This was the movie that I was most excited for in quote unquote Oscar season in the sense not the most the one I'm most excited for because that would that would go to Dune or uh, Last Night in Soho. But that was the movie to me that kicked off the whole Oscar season. So I was really excited for it. And uh, although it wasn't as good as I thought it was, I think it still delivered. So uh, so I still I still respect that movie a lot. And I'm definitely going to watch it again because I want to see those performances again. And uh, and yeah, they did a great job. They did a good job. Uh, I also saw Blue Bayou, uh, which is a movie by Justin Chan. Uh, now that film came out of nowhere I uh, did the festival rounds it did really well at the festivals uh, it did okay with critics I thought it was I thought that movie was was excellent 
to be completely honest with you i think it was it's one of those movies that are necessary in the sense that hey this is a situation that a lot of people are, are going through for those who don't know blue bayou is about a is a movie about a man who uh a korean man who was adopted by an american family when he was three years old and now he's 30 and uh he's facing deportation uh it's not it's it's something that happens to a lot of people uh because of loopholes and because of dumb laws that have been passed uh and a lot of people lose their families and a lot of people have to abandon people and their families to 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 to, to go back to a country they've never really lived in or they don't really know uh so it's a reality uh it's a reality that a lot of uh migrants have to live uh and sometimes even if they're adopted and raised here they have to go through that so that's it's an injustice that deserves uh the big screen treatment and deserves to be uh in in you know magazines and in newspapers everywhere because this is definitely a story that's that's that needs to be told and people need to know that this is happening that said the movie was slow at times um the performances alicia vikander man she's so good i feel like she needs to get a better agent because she does not she she's not nearly as big as she should be she is such a good alicia vikander she's such a good actress for those who are unfamiliar she's the one that played in uh, ex machina who played the the robot and she also played the uh, Lara Croft in the new Tomb Raider uh, remake and she recently she was recently in the Green Knight she's she's she should be so much bigger than she is she's fantastic and she she pulls off an Amer an amazing American accent in this film a southern accent uh, Justin Chan who directed the film he, he's he's the main character of this film he's the the Korean man who is facing deportation and it's just his story is heartbreaking I'm, i haven't gotten into nearly like i haven't scratched the surface on what happens to him but uh but the the the, the third act of that film is absolutely brutal the, the 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 final scene uh is is going to if you don't cry you don't have a, a soul it's it's just so rough uh and the way that it was film and edited and paced and everything i, th I thought it was a re i think it was really well done i think the cinematography in that film is great uh yeah i really really enjoyed blue bayou and i think everybody should see it uh only just for the idea that you need to know that the story is a thing that's all so blue bayou is in theaters right now you should definitely go see it if you feel safe enough or if you're capable of going to see it if, if you're not uh, when it hits VOD, make sure to watch it. It's a great, great film. Uh, last movie I saw, and oof, uh, didn't wanna, I, I should have probably rearranged the order on that one. The last movie I saw this week was Cry Macho, so the new Clint Eastwood film uh, where he essentially has to go to Mexico to... Uh, so one of his friends, or like his longtime boss or whatever he is, tells him... And I say whatever he is because it's unclear, not because I don't care. Uh, he tells Clint Eastwood was 91, by the way. And his friend's like, hey, you want to? Uh, I really need your help. You need to go to Mexico and get my son. Because his mom won't let him go. And he 
he deserves like education and a good life and everything and you need to go get him for me and then he goes well okay but how is he going to oh and by the way he th these two haven't talked in a year because the the man f like the the man who asked clint eastwood to get his son back fired him a year before and then a year later he shows up at his house like yo i need your help aj go get my son in mexico and clint eastwood's like why do you need me to do that and uh and then he goes because my son like loves cowboys and you look like a cowboy and you are a cowboy and he's going to listen to you because you're a cowboy so then he goes and he goes to mexico and he finally finds him and then he has to bring him back and then some stuff happens and it's a bad film like i'm i'm, I'm gonna be straight up with you guys it's a bad film it's the work of um Wow, just hold on, give me give me one second, just gotta blow my nose. Give me a sec. Woo, guys, I'm back. I'm sorry. We almost made it through without two of these, but uh but we didn't. I'm really sorry. Thank you. Uh so yeah, Cry Macho, bad movie. Uh they they really well first of all, the plot, there's tons of holes in the plot. There's just the whole the, the whole dynamic with the mother, the father of the kid. Uh, the mother of the kid at one point wants to sleep with Clint Eastwood, who's like 60 years old, older than her. And then he gets another love interest that's like much younger. And like it's, it, he, he, this to me just, it's like in The Mule where he gives himself like, I, I think he has like one or two threesomes in that film. Like, yeah, I feel like this is just lazy, lazy directing, lazy filmmaking from from Clint Eastwood, who has been making really, really lazy movies uh, as of late. And, um, you know, like, it, this is kind of a copy-paste, not the story, but, like, the vibe and the whole, the general just feel of the film. This is a copy-paste of The Mule. If you haven't liked The Mule, you're not going to like this one. Uh, I didn't like the mule. I did not like this film. It did nothing for me. The ending sucks. Uh, I the writing is is absolutely awful. The dialogue in that film is is ugh, it's, it's cringe. It's really cringe. It's it's a bad film. It's not a film that I recommend to anybody. Uh, not even Western fans. There are a couple shots in the movie that are gorgeous. You know, with the scenery, with the sunsets and everything, and the and the shadows. There are a couple of shots, but I, I, I truly 100% feel like those happened randomly. Like, I don't think Clint Eastwood was looking was looking for those shots because I don't feel like he was looking to make an amazing film. I think he was just making trying to make a film. And that's the reason why, why Clint Eastwood is able to pump up so many films. So many, so many of them just look so bland and, and look so normal and looks like no effort has been put into it that's that's pretty much what this is uh the whole the whole way through so i did not like cry macho i don't think anybody's going to like it i think there's lots of plot uh, of plot holes there's lots of things that just don't make sense there's lots of things that feel like they were shoehorned in because clint eastwood wanted to do them like you know uh get to be seduced by two top model mexican women and you know just looking like a badass that you know like he's trying to fight and he can't even move like it's just i don't know it's i'm not gonna say he's too old to make movies like if he wants to die making movies it's it's his prerogative 
Uh, I just I just think that he if he I just think that if he wants to have the recognition that he once did, he should make better movies. Because between that, The Mule, Richard Jewell, haven't seen him make a good movie in a long time. So uh, I would not recommend Cry Macho to anybody. Uh, but uh, Card Counter, sure, if you have nothing to do. The Eyes of Tammy Faye, yes, for the performances, I really I really recommend it. And uh, Blue Bayou, fun, not fun movie, <laughs> well, that's a bad terminology, but uh, really, really great drama. Uh, and everybody, I think, will, uh, everybody, I think, will, will not relate to the story, but everything, everybody will feel a bit of empathy for Justin Chon's character. And uh, yeah, so if I had to recommend one movie, Blue Bayou, if I had to recommend two, Eyes of Tammy Faye and Blue Bayou, the two others, I would not recommend Cry Macho. And uh, Card Counter, don't, uh, don't, don't, you know, bend just, don't bend over backward to try to see it. Uh, it's like a five on 10. But yeah, so that, those are my reviews for this week. I, I'm going to write those reviews and post them on my letterbox page whenever uh, I have time this week. So uh, by the end of the week, my review should all be caught up. In the meantime, on my social media, I might be sharing some stuff like old movies and, and short reviews like I have been. Uh, and by the, end of next, by the end of the week, we'll get back to normal. So uh, thank you. Thank you for listening to this show. Thank you for being here once again for episode number 21. We're approaching number 25. Not sure if I'm going to do something. I was thinking of doing something a little special for the episode uh we'll see we'll see what happens and uh yeah so thank you for joining me for episode 21 of this podcast thank you for entertaining this conversation with me i shall see you next week salute my friends <laughs>